Hello and welcome to ASI, Attitudes of Sexual Integrity. My name is Russ Shaw. This is episode number 80. to that. Jeremiah chapter 16 verse 14 in the Living Bible says you can't heal a wound by ignoring it. Right? By pretending it isn't there. Something has been taken from deep inside of me. A secret I've kept locked away no one can ever see. So deep they never show, they never go away Like moving pictures in my head for years and years they've played If I could change I would, to pick the pain I would Retrace every wrong move that I made I would If I could stand up and take the blame I would If I could take all the shame to the grave I would If I could change I would, to pick the pain I would Retrace every wrong move that I made I would If I could stand up and take the blame I would I would take all my shame to the grave run, but that's not what you're doing here, is it? I love that. Ephesians 6, verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You know, I'm glad you're listening. You're here right now. You're listening. You've downloaded the show, right? And I want to, you know, I want to thank you for uh, listening. I want to take my hat off to you. I want to salute you for listening to the show right now, for what you're doing right now. This is something that you're doing, right? Of all the things you could have downloaded off of the internet, you have decided to download the ASI podcast, and that is commendable. I salute you. For those about to rock, I salute you. That was probably the loudest concert I ever went to. I went to see ACDC in the Tacoma Dome, and they brought out the cannons, played for those about to rock, and the 21-gun salute, and it was it was loud, man. I left that place with my head ringing. I actually had to hitchhike home from the Tacoma Dome, and that was, that was rough. That was bad. So, yeah, me and my buddy Dave were supposed to stay uh, with his sister, and I guess she had a friend, right? And I'm... Single guys, and that sounds like fun. So, lost the phone number to the house that she was like house sitting in there in Tacoma. So, we were left stranded at the Tacoma Dome, and and uh, yeah, it was interesting. So, anyhow, uh, my name is Russ Shaw. I am the host of ASI Attitudes of Sexual Integrity. This is a different kind of a show. This is a Christian podcast. I'm a Christian guy, but don't let that scare you. If you have problems with Christianity, I would probably uh, nod my head and agree with every single one of those. So, I'm not here to stuff the Jesus pill down your throat. 
Uh, you have come into the show in a series I'm doing called The Full Armor of God, and it'll make a lot more sense if you go back and start from the beginning with uh, Welcome to Ephesus, this place that the Apostle Paul is um, talking to. City, much uh, not unlike uh, you know the major city that was where you live in. Um, a lot of different stuff going on as far as technology and stuff like that, but the hearts of people are very much the same, and that's uh, that's what I want to talk about. Before I do that, a couple of a uh, couple of things I wanted to go over. I wanted to I'll let you know how I'm doing. I'm talking about. Uh, Last week, uh, I talked about the, the old RV I got. I bought it off of Craigslist and took camping. And uh, took the family out, and that was uh, that was interesting. Went pretty well. Look at it as a glass half full type of thing and uh, say that, you know, it went it went pretty well. I've made some progress. I'm not, uh, not as jerky a dad as I used to be, so I'm getting better. Now I had the thing break down on us on the way back. Actually, it had one of the. It has like a fuel switch. It's got these big fuel tanks in it, and the one of the switches went bad. So we kind of um, had to pull over the side of uh, I-5, and <laughs> one of the gas tanks ran out of gas, and then the other one wouldn't work. It's like the switch wouldn't switch over. I think it was actually the uh, fuel filters clogged. So I had to climb underneath the RV on I-5 and uh, get that fixed. First, I was going to walk and go get gas in the other tank, and I just everybody was just, like, freaking out, you know. And Dad, I can't believe, you know, and I'm taking out the this, well, you took us out in this piece of crap, you know, <laughs> this motorhome that's eh, 1979, and, you know, and, but here's the deal. I'm kind of a motorhead, you know. I've had cars since I was... Uh, since I was 17, you know, and I've always fixed them and fixed them up. Not much recently. I've kind of got sick of working on cars, so I got some, you know, I'm driving an 05 caravan now, and of course the warranty is well out on this, but they just seem to run better. But I'm working on this uh, this old RV. It's got the old carburetor and stuff. It's something I can work on, right? So, so I got it running. We got it home, and uh, that's how that went put the gas on the credit card and hopefully pay that back later. Gas is expensive. Went down to, uh, it's about 130 miles we drove and down there and back and anyhow, that's uh, that's how the weekend went. I just think that that stuff is important and, you know, I could have said, well, we can't afford to take a vacation, can't afford to, you know, spend time with the family and it's, I really can't afford not to is the truth. If we're really going to invest in, in relationships and, and getting to know each other deeply, it's 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 good to just unplug and pull away from the house and where things are familiar and, you know, take the family out and do something like that. I think it's important. It's where relationships are uh, made, memories are made, pictures are taken, stuff like that. and So... If you haven't taken a a vacation this summer, I encourage you to do that. Plug in, get to know some people that you live with, <laughs> stuff like that. It's important. Anyhow, 
the song I played was a kind of a request song and a great lyrics. Uh, a guy named Chris sent me the lyrics, and I wanted to give a shout-out to Chris. And uh, Teens Against Porn. Dot com is a website that I uh, wanted to plug. It's a great website, great place for teens to uh, just kind of a teenage-based, teens-only um, resource uh, discussion group online for people to uh, vent, to talk about this, to get this outside of you for those of you who are teenagers, for those of you who are stuck in this addiction, for those of you who are not talking to anybody about it. Having this secret online life that uh, nobody knows about, and this is a place where you can start to work on that. If you're a teenager, I've I've got countless emails from teens out there, and I want to, uh, you know, I want to thank you for your passion. It's one thing that I love about the the teens is that you guys don't have the the mask built up yet, right? You you don't have the the skills to fake it. As so many of us uh, adults do, the uh, old, older folks, the not young adults, right? We uh, start to build layers of surface identity and just become really good at faking it. And, and I thank God for for teenagers and their passion for the, the teens, man. I mean, you guys, it's, it's funny how the, the passion of the teens kind of runs culture, especially here in the United States. Like, whatever's cool now is because uh, some some group of teens someplace, you know, started wearing that or started listening to that or changed their style of music a little bit, and now that's cool. It's just weird how, how teens sort of drive culture. And I believe that the root of that is, is passion. We're hungry and starved for passion as people. We really are. The Apostle Paul, the guy that wrote... Uh, the full armor of God and uh, most of your New Testament, the book of Ephesians. Um, I mean, this guy had passion. I love this guy's passion. I mean, just no fear, freaking passion. Okay? I mean, I love the, the. I mean, you just march into a city. I mean, we, we we're so freaking lazy and afraid in, in, in culture today as, as Christians. And, you know, most of the Christians that are do have the courage to get out there, they just end up sticking their foot in their mouth and become self-righteous and make the rest of us look bad, right? So, but, but I love Paul, man. He just, he doesn't, you know, it's like in the book of Acts where he's, you know, the Mars Hill speech where he, he doesn't walk in and he's offended by the idols of the, of the people in the city and he doesn't start pointing fingers, you know, his passion is for the people. He loves the people. He wants the people to meet Jesus. And that's and that's his goal. And that's what he does. And throughout the, the books of the cities that he's visited, which are letters to cities. Right? But this, uh, this is this, the full armor of God is him closing a letter to, the, to Ephesus, to the Ephesians. And uh, I'll continue on. Here you go. This is Ephesians 6 verse 17. And take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I'm going to address both of those. I'm going to go a little bit into the uh, the shield of faith still, because there's so much to be said about faith, and uh, and the helmet of salvation as well. 
passion. What do we do with our passion? I want to address that big time. I want to hit you hard with what you're passionate about. Because I think for so many Christians, especially getting into recovery mode, we can become like, well, I have to do this, um, you know, and it just kind of becomes this doldrum, kind of dreary, kind of uh, recovery attitude, right? And, and, you know, here's the deal is what we're doing is starting to replace the surface kind of burning like a cigarette sort of passions with heart-level, deep passions that actually work, that actually burn clean without all the choking black smoke, right? If you know what I'm talking about. That, that you know, like C.S. Lewis said, passion is, is, you know, passion and desire are not wrong. They're, they're not bad. God made our passions. He made our desires. They're good. The problem is we, we don't, you know, we, we desire, we have a passion for things that are just going to fill us temporarily, while at the same time rotting our soul, right? And finding the joy in recovery is really going after that attitude. It is, it is walking in with the shield of faith up against this attitude of, oh, this sucks, and oh man, i got to go to freaking group again and uh, you know I guess I'll log on to Teens Against Porn or I uh, might as well go to Triple X Church or Hire-Calling.com and you know well, I'm going to visit the message board instead of doing what I really want to do you know I mean where do we get that attitude I, I pray that that's one of the things that you work on is is praying out why we get these kind of uh, I'm so bummed out that I have to stop doing this. Or, you know, it, it, it's not about stopping doing anything. It's about replacing your passion with something that's going to burn clean. You know, it's like dumping out, emptying out the bad fuel and, and putting in good, clean, new fuel. Right? I mean, it's like God was showing me that. I'm laying on I-5 and I'm climbing underneath this this motorhome. You know, some drunk person could swerve across the line a little bit and just totally kill me and end me right there. And I'm thinking about this, and I'm looking at these these fuel filters that the guy who owned the RV before me put in, and he put in these little, like, car fuel filters. And this is right by the switch, right? The switch that switches the fuel tanks over. And and I'm thinking that, you know, maybe there's not something wrong with a carburetor. More, Maybe it's... Uh, Maybe it's the fact that the the fuel is constricted, you know, like like the fuel that's coming from the tank is not getting into the engine, and it's just kind of puttering out and sputtering, and and about uh, for the last five miles on the way home, I mean, we barely got the RV home too. I mean, I did this thing on the side of the road, but almost by the time we got home, that other fuel filter because I switched the tanks over, it started to uh, pop and sputter, right? So I'm going. All right, you know, this is not good. But I remembered that the fuel filters were like something you would find on a, on a car, right? I mean, it's not, I mean, this this thing is like a truck. It's, it's a huge freaking 33-foot truck, right? 
And it just made me think of that that uh, that attitude that we get in recovery. And I hear this so much in recovery, especially, and I don't mean to pick on the 12-steppers, all right, but there's a lot of this in that 12-step community. Like, oh, i got to go to group now, or i I got to do step four. I don't want to do step four. Step four is really hard. It's bumming me out. You know? What is restricting our, our, our fuel consumption? And, and how do we look at faith? And how do we look at how God sees us? I, I, you know, and that's what I talked about a lot in that last show. And that's a big part of faith. Is understanding how does God see you, you know? If you really are looking at God like he's the principal of your high school, you know, and every time he walks by you, he looks at you with uh, disappointment, you know. I heard this pastor talking about that, talking about Christian leadership, and he said uh, he said he read a Snoopy uh, cartoon, one of the Charles Schultz Peanuts cartoons, and and uh, Lucy is standing there, and she's looking at uh, at Schroeder, I believe, on the on the piano, you know, and this is so true in relationships as well. She's just standing there looking at him, and, and at the end of the the cartoon, she says. As I stare at you, I just feel criticism welling up in me, <laughs> you know? And we so get that in relationships, and it's kind of like that familiarity breeds contempt, right? Have you heard that before? Familiarity breeds contempt. Let me tell you something else. Familiarity breeds intimacy, Okay? There's a choice there. And that's part of uh, two layers of identity there as well. Who are we going to be? Are we going to be the guy who says, familiarity breeds contempt, right? Or are we going to be the person who says, familiarity breeds intimacy? That's the choice. That's, that's one of those queen ant type of attitudes underneath all your frickin' psychology and in the 10,000 books you've read and your PhD, all right? I'm not impressed by any of that stuff. I'm really not. I've been around um, sexual addiction ministry too long. You know, I've seen too many pastors fall, too many PhDs and doctors have to, with all their credentials, have to step down because of sexual misconduct. I've seen too much. There's really a heart thing going on that's deeper than all of the stuff than you know. Because a lot of us know it. We know how to stop. We know what to do. But our bleeding, diseased, hurting hearts haven't caught up with that yet, right? That's where the helmet of salvation comes in. And I'm going to talk about this um, differently than I've ever heard it preached, really. Uh... Because, preached, I use the preach word, right? That's kind of a churchy word. I'll give you this message differently than I've ever heard it. Because most of the folks that I've heard talk about this have done it, contextualized it in kind of a surfacey way, in my opinion. Um, because most of the time when I've heard the uh, Helmet of Salvation preached, it's always been, you know... Don't watch those movies and don't listen to that music and just listen to Christian music and just watch Christian films, right? You know, garbage in, garbage out. You know, you got to protect your mind from the bad, evil culture. 
which is uh, hogwash, okay? It's unbiblical garbage. Because the heart of that, the foundation of that, if you get to the heart of that kind of thinking, basically you just end up disconnecting yourself out of the culture and not making an impact on anyone. Which is what uh, American evangelicalism has done in the last uh, 50 years. And that's why we are in the place we are with the decline of the church is because we've disconnected from the culture. We think that we're better than they are. The truth is... uh, it's it's just music, right? These bands just are singing about the way things are. About life as they see it and know it. Art is in the eye of the beholder. Have you ever heard that? Mark 7. Jesus says, uh, Are you so dull? <laughs> you know, I love that. Are you so dull? It's not what you put inside you from the outside that defiles you. It's what comes out of your heart. It's what comes flowing out of your heart. Not necessarily that that dirty movie, that rated R movie, right? Porn is a different type of deal. Porn is sexual immorality. You're watching other people have sex. That is going against, that is sin. There's a difference, right? Right? than being told a story. Yeah, there's sexual immorality that happens in films, but it's also part of telling the story. Okay, if, we weren't, if we're not going to talk about uh, sexual immorality, we would not have the book of Corinthians. Because that was a very jacked-up, sexually immoral culture. The point is, is telling a story is to get to the heart of why people do what they do, right? That's why I talk about a movie like Perfect Stranger came out recently. It's about the online uh, affairs and sexual addiction. It's rated R. There's some very heavy sex scenes in that movie. Don't watch that movie if you're not ready for that. If you're not mature enough to handle it. If you can't bounce your eyes off those scenes. If you can't stare at your wife instead of uh, Halle Berry, then don't watch the film. Because then you have to be honest with yourself and say, why am I watching this film? Because I want to see Halle Berry naked? Or because uh, I want to to understand the culture and I want to understand this story. Because it's very poignant for, for the time we live. Where people's hearts and minds are and are going. And it's not just out there in the dirty, secular world. It's happening in the church. Let's pick up a newspaper. It's called sexual misconduct, and there's lawyers involved and millions of dollars, and it's not just the Catholics. And it's not just men, frankly. There are women who are molesting kids. It's not just dudes anymore. So that's the thing, and that's the the deal about my podcast and also about this whole series of shows I'm doing on the full armor of God is that we understand that it's not uh, the thing that's evil, right? It's like me pointing the finger at the person offering me cheesecake when I'm on the diet. And, you know, the cheesecake is the devil and that person is a demon because I want the cheesecake, right? Okay, if you can't watch a movie like Perfect Stranger because, you know, just be honest. Honestly, there should be no shame in that. If you can't watch it because you're not ready, that's cool. Just say that 
But don't point the finger at the film and say the film is evil. I think it illustrates a great point. The problem is that you want to see Halle Berry get it on with the, the black dude from CSI. Right? You want to see that. And that's hopefully why you're listening. Is because you're honest about the fact that you're jacked up sexually. You want to see Halle Berry naked getting it on with some other dude. And that's whatever, okay? That's what it is. That's where you're at. So be honest about it. Don't blame the dirty, mean culture. Alright? That's just my my agenda. That's my message. That's what Jesus talks about in uh, Mark 7. Also, if you want to ever download some of the music I play on the show, you can go to the website, ASI247.org, click on the music tab, and right above all the music that I've played on the show, you can read that uh, passage in Mark 7. And also Romans 1, which is important, and it pertains to this as well. That we're putting on armor to guard ourselves from ourselves, right? That's the truth. The way we react. It's getting to the point of maturity where, you know, when Holly Berry starts taking her top off, you're looking at your wife, right? You're not watching the film alone if you're single. You know, you're honoring your future spouse or you're honoring your God with your eyes. But you watch the film for the for the impact that it's having on the culture and for the truth that it uh, that it betray, that it's showing on the screen because there's truth to it. It's an important film. So again, there should be no shame in that. I'm just asking you to be honest, all right? If you can't handle watching the film right now, that's great. That's where you're at. You're able to say that. Good for you. Awesome. But don't stay there. Don't stay camped in that place. I'm never I can never watch films like that. The reason I fall is because I have access to sinful material. I heard a guy say the reason I masturbated the other day is so there was a computer in the room and the computer jumped over it grew frickin' legs and tackled me to the floor and made me watch porn. Okay, that's not true. The computer was an access point. You wanted to watch porn. That's why you watch porn. But how did I get so far from the promises I made? Life it seems so dark compared to yesterday.
what I believe is going on here is that Paul is Paul's a heart guy, right? He just is. He's he's a heart guy, and he's not as much of an intellectual as he is a heart guy. And he was very good at at coming out the intellectuals. I mean, he was like the whole thing on Mars Hill. He's talking and debating the intellectual types, like Jesus did, about these matters, and and realizing that your head. Can, I mean, you can get in circles and twisted around in, in a mess in your mind if you don't understand your heart. And that your heart really drives your mind. It really does. And most people don't want to get honest about that. I remember Mark Driscoll when he was talking about uh, investigating Christianity in college and you know, he, he talked to one of his philosophy professors, and he's like, you know, he asked him about, you know, talking about atonement and the cross and stuff like that. And, and he remembered his philosophy professor going, yeah, I just don't like it. He's like, you don't like it? Does it matter what you like or you don't like? What's the truth? I mean, really? Yeah, I just don't like it. So a lot of people stop their investigation of truth based on what they like and what they don't like. And based on how how their mind works. And this is what I really want to get you to understand is that your mind and your surface identity is is really is at conflict with your soul and your heart, your spirit, right? And the best way that I can I can describe that is is kind of survival mode. People in uh, in survival mode, people who have uh, survived horrific conditions, plane crashes. I've heard, uh, read an article about uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. Or in World War II, they had a more simple word for it, which is called shell shock, right? I like that better. Shell shock! It's got shell shock! <laughs> Anyways. Um, basically, in these kind of situations, our minds can go into survival mode. You can totally cut your heart out of the equation just to be able to survive, because that's part of the part of you that feels right. It comes from your heart, it comes from your emotion. What drives you? What drives you is more emotionally based than it is logically based. All right, talk to anybody in sales. You know anybody that does investing in the stock market? They'll tell you. You know the stock market's more, you know, driven by speculation and emotion than it is logic. You know that's just the truth. People's logic catches up with emotion, then the stocks can rise. But if nobody knows about a company, you know, and they can have great numbers, but if nobody knows about them, nobody cares, and their stock doesn't do very well. They get some news or, you know, something like that, and people hear about them, people get to feel about them, and the stock rises. It's the same in sales. You know, it's kind of like this false gospel that that's out there in sales. If you can, this product is your savior. You know, if I can put this product out to save you from your functional hell, then you'll buy it. Look, you're in hell. This product will bring you heaven. You know, and that's that's all sales. That's how sales works. But it's really realizing that outside of our brain. I think the be- best illustration for what I'm talking about is in Second uh, Timothy, and I believe it's chapter two. If you read that whole chapter. Um, 
The NIV translation I don't think is the best translation for that either, uh, just as a criticism of the NIV there. A little bit legalistic in its language of uh, interpreting that piece of scripture. But basically what I believe the Apostle Paul was trying to communicate was, uh, you know, kind of keep yourself away from this mindless kind of chatter. And when I say mindless chatter, it's not necessarily true either. I mean, you can talk about some pretty tangible psychological terms and, and stuff like that. But basically, if we don't get to what drives us, um, you know, then, then we're just filling our, our itching ears with what we want to hear, as, as the Apostle Paul would say, I believe. He, he's talking about that. He says, you know, basically people will fill their itching ears with what they want to hear. And we're not as as Christians, as people in ministry, we are not always to give over to people what they want to hear. Um, one of the reasons I started this this podcast is that you know I never had a me. First of all, you know, and and that was one of the big motivations besides the, of course, the fact of God calling me to do this because I really didn't believe in myself enough to even pick up this microphone, but I I knew that. Uh, I had a passion for not being alone in this, right? And that God was there for me in a way that I, I can't I can't even put into words. I can't describe for you. You know, I, I, it's, it's just tough to make sense of what that means. There, there is a supernatural. Yes, I'll use that word, supernatural. If you have a problem with that, email me, russ at asi247.org, and I'll uh, I'll help straighten you out on that. But that's the truth. Um, this goes beyond mere psychology. And I can sit here and tell you all the things that you want to hear, but the facts are um, that's not what's going to save you, you know? Jesus is going to save you, not some new intellectual pop psychology. It's really the truth. And understanding what that means is what what, what I'm dedicated to on this show. I'm not just handing you this uh, this new functional savior. This guy at the Village Church who does recovery there is... I've added some links to the website, too, by the way. If you go to asi247.org added a few more links site uh, to the to the link site there anyways um, the village church uh, has step studies that you can download and this is about uh, going through the um, celebrate recovery and Michael Seisner I believe his name is down there at the village was talking about um, some of this stuff and he he said uh, he was listening to dr. Tony Evans who um, was telling this story about this, this, you know, he comes home from from work and uh, there's this light bulb that's uh, going out on his his house and his wife pointed it out, so he gets out the ladder. Just happened to be a 12-step ladder, you know. And he's climbing up this ladder and and, uh, he gets about three-quarters up the ladder and the ladder fails on him. It falls apart and he comes crashing to the ground and he was okay, but uh, he kind of realized that you know it, it depends on what you're what you're standing on, right? And the foundation 
it's the foundation of things more than it's the the intellect and the in the the steps or or the you know all of the step studies more than that deeper than that is what we're we're grounded upon that if our psychology and our religion is simply based on just that just being like Jesus instead of knowing Jesus then you know we're, we're missing the boat we're, we're, we're not doing biblical first century Christianity which um, he was also talking about is that's how the 12 steps started and I, and I read about this and you know just kind of reminding me that the 12 step recovery was started by the Oxford group you know in England a long time ago and it became popularized by Bill you know Bill W friend of Bill W right and if you read the big book he talks about in there in the beginning of it how he was just like a lot of people like a lot of you like myself just sick and tired of religion and how screwed up and jacked up religion is. But I think the fatal flaw that Bill W. made is just saying that, you know, your relationship with God is just your relationship with God. It doesn't really matter. And I think that what has grown and uh, evolved out of, you know, and it could have got its roots right there in 12-step recovery, which is the spiritual... Um, mode, the, the popular religion, you could say, here in the United States right now, is this kind of pantheism that says it doesn't really matter what you worship. It's all God. You know, that's what the, that's what Bill W. taught, right? You just got to find your higher power. All right? The reason I believe in Jesus Christ is because I do not believe in karma. And I hope for some of you who are seeking God and, and really, you know, checking out this podcast, even though I'm a Christian, you really wrap your mind around that and understand that God had to come to earth as a man to redeem us, to sacrifice, because everything you do, there's a sacrifice for. All the bad stuff that happens, blood is spilled to cover it. It's just the way things are. Okay? People say, why couldn't God just write, you know, across the sky, I'm God, I'm real, believe in me. You know why? Because if God did that, there would be people that would just say, oh, well, you know, that's people who, uh, they have technology now to write that. You know, I mean, we justify it. The closest thing we have to that is Jesus Christ. He healed people. He brought people back from the dead, okay? There was witnesses to that. He rose from the dead himself. He was resurrected three days after he was publicly crucified. And yes, he was killed. Alright? All this, you know, oh, well, he wasn't really dead. No, he was dead, okay? You hang a guy on a cross, you shove a spear up under his ribcage, puncture his heart sack. People don't survive that, alright? He rose from the dead. This religious view of be like Jesus because that's just a better way to live and even if it isn't true, it's, you know, no. I love what Paul said, we're to be pitied among men. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, if the cross is all fake, then we are to be pitied among men. We are. This is just a fake, stupid religion. But Jesus is real. 
Okay? The cross is real. God did come to earth to redeem us from our sin. And making a decision to accept that sacrifice that God made is so incredibly critical. Because I love this song uh, by this band called Stellar Cart. I'll play it for you a little here. Uh, All the dead will see the next show. (laughs) That's in the lyric. I love that. I think that'd make an awesome tattoo. All the dead will see the next show. Okay, there is a hell. There has to be a hell. Because there's just a lot of evil that happens in the world. There is a lot of freaking evil that has nothing to do with love, and people embrace it because they're that freaking selfish. Okay? And those people that aren't listening to me, their hearts need to be... Their hearts need to be penetrated to get out of that. The helmet of salvation is, is understanding your, your intellect can, can war against you. Um, I, I've sent a few emails about this. I've had people that kind of get in these debates with me, and I can see it coming. And one of the things I, I'll always go for is their heart. Because I can see that they already know. Like one of the biggest things that, that I really started to address and started to go after this 12-step theology was because a lot of people would quote me back 12-step theology like they know it, right? And my whole attitude behind, you know, behind this ministry and behind what I do and, and to help people is that if you know it, then why are you stuck? If you know what to do, you have all the intellect. You could tell yourself. If somebody was just like you and they came to you and they asked you how to get out of what you're in, you could describe to them how to, to do it, right? You could say, here's what you need to do, A, B, C, 1 through 12, how to get kick your porn habit, right? You could say how to do that. But how do you do it? Where is your heart? You know what to do. And that's what I talked about on the last show, and putting on that shield of faith. I love in the book of James where he says, Count it all joy when you're persecuted. Count it all joy when your faith is tested. And I'll say here, count it all joy that you get to put up that shield of faith. That you have that. That God has armed you with that. That he's equipped you with that. And you can take that shield of faith, and you can put it up in the face of the devil, Right? And he's coming at you and he's trying to tell you who you are. Because your intellect will war against it. The war against your faith. Do I really believe this? You know, your mind will say that to you. Constantly. And those are part of those fiery arrows and those fiery darts. The helmet of salvation is understanding, first of all, that you can't lose your salvation. As you denounce Christ, you're not going to lose your salvation. You know, that, you know, unless you just say, hey, I, I thought I believed it, I never really did. I think that's really the truth. So you never believed it in the first place. If you denounce Jesus denounce your faith, and then you never really believed it to begin with, right? 
or maybe you believed it, but abiding in it is something else. Believing it is step one, okay? If you want to put steps behind it, believing in it is step one. Abiding in it, trusting in it, is the next step. Like my friend James Brooks said, he said, he talked about this analogy of the, the man who you know ro- walks a tightrope. You know, he walks his tightrope back and forth across these two cliffs and he does it several times and he, he does it with a wheelbarrow and he puts a bunch of wood in the wheelbarrow and he goes back and forth and everybody's like, wow, that's awesome, that's great. And the guy goes, all right, who's the first one who wants to get in the wheelbarrow so I can show you? <laughs> no, everybody's like, well, I ain't getting in the wheelbarrow. That don't make sense. Even if it does make sense, I'm not going to do it. That's the part of your mind I want you to put that helmet of salvation over. To protect your heart from your mind. You know? You hear what I'm saying? I hope for those of you who have ears, you're you're kind of understanding. This is such a difficult thing to to, to wrap your mind around. But because it has more to do with your heart than your mind. And the heart is simply the, the, the wellspring of all the decisions that you make. The heart is that. It is, it is burning fuel. You're, you're going in the direction of what you want to hear. You know, and guarding your, your mind, putting that helmet of salvation on, is understanding that you're saved, you're not going to lose your salvation... Because the devil will constantly throw that in your face. Look at how you're behaving. You think you're saved. You're not saved. That's what the devil will constantly tell you. He doesn't want you to know the truth. That you're saved. Once you've given your heart to Jesus, we love and we trust and we feed our hearts. And he loves us. That's one of the things that, you know, guys and working with guys with their wives and, and just understanding that we we all want grace, right? But then giving back grace when it comes to our spouse. Well, she's doing this. Well, she's doing that. Well, she's being such a jerk. Well, so are you. You're a jerk. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a freaking jerk. I'm going to sit there and point the finger at my wife. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw wrath on my wife. And Jesus paid the bill for my wrath that I deserve. Treat our wives like children. Some guys do that. It's just sad. want to put wrath and punish our wives. Kind of like that story Jesus tells of the guy who he's forgiven the million dollar debt, and as soon as he gets out of debtor's prison, he runs and grabs the guy that owes him five bucks, and you're gonna pay me. No. And we really don't want to, you know, it's like we want fairness, you know. It's gotta be fair. That's just not fair. People sinned against me and I hurt and it's just not fair. Of course it's not fair. How are you going to react? 80% of your life is how you react to the things that happen to you. The decisions that you make. And they all come from the wellspring of your heart. 
And that's where the sword of the Spirit comes in. This is the only offensive weapon that Paul is going to describe. All the other stuff that uh, Paul is talking about here to equip your yourself with are all defensive. And this one here is offensive. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, which is Scripture, which is truth, right? And that's one of the reasons I brought up the, uh, the sword of salvation first. Or no, the sword of salvation. The helmet of salvation before the sword of the Spirit, which is the only offensive weapon, right? That we understand that, um, first of all, our hearts and our minds are at war, and in your heart will use your mind to gather, you know, information. Kind of like I talked about uh, a few years ago in a, in a show where I said it's kind of like it was like floating down a river, right? And we're either going to go down that river or we're going to start reaching for things on the shore to try and save us, you know? We're going to start reaching for stuff to... Uh, to save us, right? And we don't want to go down that river. We don't want to go down the path. And for a lot of you, some of the things I say, it's kind of like the Holy Spirit is working on you, right? Like people say, well, Russ, you said this and you said that. And it's, and it's hitting me this way and it's hitting me that way. And a lot, of it's, a lot of it's the Holy Spirit working inside you, all right? That God is using me as maybe a mouthpiece and, and, and it's, it's working its way through you, okay? I'm no PhD and I'm no psychologist and I'm no reverend and I'm no minister. I'm a total freaking disaster, who Jesus has chose to save, right? And as far as Scripture is concerned, you know, part of that is, you know, we can use Scripture to bolster our own agenda, right? I mean, people do that all the time. That's what I, I say that my criticism of religion is, and I would think that uh, Martin Luther would say the same thing when he was talking about uh, religion being the default mode of the heart, that we get away from our first love, as Jesus put it in Revelations 2. Getting away from our first love means we start intellectualizing the Bible and, you know, systematizing it and forgetting that it's it's a very emotional love letter from our Creator. You know, it's not something to be, you know, simply broken apart and, and you know, systematized, which is fine, too. I think that's great, but... Uh, what are you systematizing it to, right? I mean, what do, what are you going to use Scripture to stand on? If we read Scripture, and that's been my action step, you know, I was like, well, you lost track of the action steps. Well, no, you know, I've been telling you, read Scripture, check out uh, chapter, like I said today, chapter 2 of, of 2 Timothy. Um, and when you read that, don't just read it to get through it. Really find some time to... You know, get in a quiet place and be able to digest it. You know what I'm saying? And it's not just reading scripture for what you can get out of it. You know? I'm reading this so I can get free of porn. No. Check this out. Read it for what you can give. Read it for for what flows out of your heart. Right? Read it because it's like food for your soul. Not instruction for your brain. You know? Not simply instruction for your brain. Renewing your mind 
towards living out of your heart, not renewing your mind so you can get more intellect. Because intellect won't save you. Your bonehead high school dropout, former drug-dealing thug of a host has talked to, interacted with people who are a lot smarter than I am intellectually. Does that make sense? The apostles were not the elitists of their time. Jesus did not pick the super sharp folks, except for Luke and Paul. They were pretty sharp. They were pretty intellectual people, but they had a heart. They had a heart for Jesus and a heart for God. They had a heart for people. The whole book of Luke is written to, you know, written to a guy that Luke is trying to trying to minister to, trying to get him to understand Jesus, this this Theopolis. Gospel of Luke. If you start it, that's who Luke, who was a physician, is writing to. It's explaining and understanding and digesting getting inside of you heart-level truths. You know? That's the sword of the Spirit. Because I hear a lot of guys, you know, I mean, I've heard guys who carry around index cards with Scripture in their pocket, and, you know, I think that's great. You know, I could say that, but... If you don't understand it, if you're just throwing around intellect, if you're throwing out incantations, okay... That's kind of a witchcraft, pagan thing, right? I love what Matt Chandler said. He said it's kind of like a Harry Potter wand war, you know? First Corinthians 5, you know, and uh, we're throwing out Job, but I made a covenant with my eyes, and I'm going to just throw that scripture out, and I won't sin. No. No, you got to internalize it in your heart. you got to take those scriptures and plant them like seeds in your heart, not just... <laughs> I love that. Not just throw them around like a Harry Potter wand war. It doesn't work. Sorry, it just doesn't work. Your mind is a habit factory, and you cross a line in your mind, and your mind starts going. You know, you know, you, you know when you've crossed that boundary. It's kind of like a snake pit, like a Rick uh, Rick Thiessen was saying. You get too close to the the snake pit, you get bit. You're going to slide down into it. There's a certain point you get to throwing out, you know, scripture as is a, you know, just for the f- sake of throwing out scripture. It's not going to save you. You have to know it. You have to have it in your heart. You have to live by it. You have to abide in it, as Jesus would say. It's not good enough to just believe it and start throwing words around. It's it's abiding in it. John was it John 15? You know, I am the, the branch. You know, I'm the vine. You're grafted to me, Jesus says. Unless, you're, unless you abide in me. Abiding is deeper than believing. I've talked to seminary students, and people have been through seminary. They know their stuff. But as far as 
deeply abiding in scripture, the porn addiction is a sexual addiction is a symptom of a heart level wound. And it's reaching for a functional false God to save us from that wound. That's where I was. That's who I was. I was a worshiper of sex. It was ingrained in me. I couldn't stop on my own. It owned me. That demon that freaking brought me to my knees yanked a chain of, of, of habit, habitual brain chemistry freaking, you know, whatever you want to call it. I could go through all the, the names of it. But the bottom line is that demon in my head could yank my chain and bring me to my knees. And it took internalizing scripture, okay? That is the, the, the offensive weapon in your arsenal. To abide in it. And if you don't know how to abide in it, or you feel like you can't abide in it, then talk to people who can help you. Don't just simply say, well, I can't do this. Oh, Jesus didn't work for me. Get real and honest and open with people and start freaking out a little bit, all right? Yell, scream, shout, right? Raise your hands in the air. Freak out a little bit. Get honest. Say, why am I stuck? Why am I here? Be honest. Scripture says this. Why don't I live by that? I had to get there. I had to start talking about it. I had to start cleaning out my freaking soul. Because it had gunk and garbage on it. Sticky. Just. It reminds me of that Spider-Man. Spider-Man 3. You know? He gets the black Spider-Man suit. And it's like stuck to him. and And he's trying to pull it off. And clanging that bell. That bell is scripture. He's clanging the bell and the and the, the freaking suit that he's wearing starts screaming and jumping off him a little bit. That's when that sticky, nasty, horrible sin that seems to own you starts to lose its power. When you start believing it, not just believing it, abiding in it, walking in it, trusting. Because for some of you, you're just going to get bored, man. I pray you don't get to that point. And maybe some of you are or have been through that. You're just bored with the whole Christian evangelical thing, right? You're not abiding in it. You believe it. You don't abide in it. So you just kind of get bored. Just another sermon. And it's like if you if you put the, the armor of God in, in, in succession, right? It's almost like we have to put down the shield of faith. To block us from our own anxiety that wars against us. I forget who said it. I think it was Henry Cloud or or someone like that who was talking about uh, that anxiety is like a a trench. That fear, you know, the waters of fear can run flow through, right? They can just flow clearly and directly through this trench of anxiety. Anxiety can be the blocker that blocks us from picking up a sword, you know, and, and abiding in truth, you know. We, we, we don't want to, to plug in. We don't want to find that group, that uh, men's group, women's group, uh, you know, community group 
we we don't want to disconnect from the the kind of legalistic uh, fakey fake church we're a part of and look for a healthy church um, we're not taking steps of faith you know maybe you've never even set foot inside a church before and you anxiety see the fear of that seems to to own you and maybe putting that shield of faith down is to be able to block some of that that fear the anxiety that, that that owns you it's like another functional savior you don't have to talk about it if you stay behind anxiety if like if you let anxiety own you like that suit that you know Toby Maguire's got on right the anxiety sin cloaked in it wearing it anxiety is just a is just a it's like a boost for fear if fear is is the cargo then anxiety is the truck that carries that cargo right And before you can pick up a sword and start to live out of your life and start to live this life and feed your soul with scripture, where you can really in, in, you know internalize it, we have to get out of our comfort zone, which is always scary. That's why I put so much weight on understanding this as an adventure. Look at it as an adventure and have that attitude, because all adventures are scary at times. I remember saying that to my my family after I got the motorhome going again, after we were sitting on a side of I-5 with cars whizzing by and trucks whizzing by. Inches from the, the motorhome as it's broke down on the side of the freeway and switched the fuel tanks over and pulled out the, you know, switched over the uh, fuel filter. Changed tanks. Got the motor fired up. They kind of felt a little better, and I said, "Hey, it's like an adventure." My daughter goes, "That was kind of scary, Dad." I said, "All adventures are scary, or they wouldn't be an adventure, would they?" So, understanding you're part of that adventure, right? The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. I love that. Wielding that sword and wearing that armor, what does that look like? It's like being able to live it, you know? At those critical times when when everything starts to hit the fan, right? When things are tough. When it gets hard. when, When it's not all puppy dogs and ice cream. When hurt is inflicted on you, when fear wants to own you, the sword of the Spirit abiding in in Scripture and and being able to know it and digest it and live out of it, that's when you can start to react with what would Jesus do instead of just wearing the t-shirt, right? Anybody can slap scripture on a mug. We can all put on our WWJD t-shirts. 
but living that that's the sword of the spirit that's the offensive weapon that is taking offense towards the devil and his schemes trying to keep you in bondage trying to keep you worshipping petty little things that will not fill you This is James chapter 1, starting in verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. I love that. He also goes on to say, if you lack wisdom, ask God. Ask God to give you wisdom. And he will give it to you. He's not always going to give you money. He's not always going to give you wealth or what you want. He'll give you wisdom. My name is Russ. The show is ASI, Attitudes of Sexual Integrity. Send me an email. It's russ at asi247.org. If you want to leave a uh, voicemail on the voicemail line, I'm going to be doing a series of shows called... Ask Russ anything, and uh, ask the uh, former sex addict. Ask, uh, ask me whatever you need, whatever you like. Be going through just email questions to me for the the next series of shows. And if you would like your voice played on the show, which is not always uh, popular in a sexual addiction ministry, but. Uh, if you'd like to uh, have your voice played on the show, it's 206-866-5460. And, uh, yes, you can join the conversation. Or just send me an email at uh, russ at asi247.org. I uh, plan on opening a couple of blog threads as well. Uh, on higher-calling.com and... Uh, the teensagainstporn.com as well. So, looking forward to that. Thanks for listening. Um, if you'd like to send a donation and keep that ripple effect of the ASI broadcast going, I'd certainly appreciate it. Uh, you can go to the website, leave a donation through PayPal. You know, even a buck, even 50 cents. Maybe you used to sell stuff on eBay or buy stuff on eBay and you got an extra 3 or $4 in your PayPal account. Send it on over. It keeps the, uh, keeps the broadcast going. Helps me reach more people. It's uh, ASI247.org. Click on the donation button. It all goes through PayPal, so it's all secure and all that good stuff. So, Thanks again for listening. Remember, life is 20% the stuff that happens to you and 80% how you react to that 20%. That is worship. Your 80% reactions to life. I'll leave you with a song by Stellar Cart. Here you go. Love these guys. Till next time. Bye. Tried my best to be the best at what I try it at his never good
for sure Is that there's so much more than what I'm living for There's so much more If I could step outside this ordinary life Find what I'm living for